Amen. Thank you. Let's give them a round of applause for what God's doing in this area. One of the many areas in which God is really working in the life of our church, but the Connect ministry is so important because it is the first touch of the gospel when people come on our campus. And uh, these Bill and Denny have been working extremely hard. We have over 70 people coming to the luncheon today. Is, am I right on that? 70 people coming to the luncheon today? Over 70 people, 84, excuse me, it's gone up since she's recruiting, um, but 84 people coming to the luncheon today to be involved in the Connect ministry. So praise God for that. We have a welcoming church that wants um, people to be here, and we're excited to bring them in. You know, sometimes when you're, you're getting ready to preach a sermon, the Lord kind of leads you in a different direction. And this week in staff meeting, we decided that we needed to lay down a biblical foundation for missions. And the reason was is because we are unveiling a lot of missions opportunities that we're going to be doing the next few weeks in which God is going to send Northwest not only into our city, but to the nations. And so uh, laying down that biblical foundation for missions we thought was important for us to be, um, to be able to be a church that understands that why we do these things. So last week you heard from Kyle and his heart for leading people into the presence of the Almighty God in worship from Isaiah chapter 6. You know, Kyle's been a pastor for a long time, a number of years, over, I think, 20 years he's been a pastor, and uh, not very many opportunities to get to preach, and so I was excited for him to be able to preach the gospel to you, to hear his heart, to see what God is doing in his life. And last week, he showed us something, and, and I don't know if I'd ever seen this in the text, but he showed us that before we can be on mission for Christ, before we can have a heart to go to our neighborhood, to go to our places of, of work, to go to the nations, to share the gospel, we have to understand this great God and worship Him. And out of that worship comes the thought process of, here I am, send me. Isaiah's response and his submission or his obedience, his servant heart is that response. Here I am, send me. This is a life that has been changed by the power of the gospel. This is a response to gospel transformation. And this morning we look at the book of Acts. Acts actually, we're just going to do one verse this morning. Now hopefully we'll be out on time this morning because we're doing one verse, but there's a lot there to unpack and unveil. Jesus has spent time with his apostles. He has lived with them. He has ate with them. He has washed their feet. He has performed miracles in their sight. He has proven to them that he has been given all authority. He has been given authority or power over nature. He has been given power over raising people from the dead. He has been given power over the demons. He has been given power over sickness. And yet, He's been crucified. He's given up his life. And he is resurrected from the dead. 
And guess what? And as I was studying this week, the Lord was just showing me something that I'd never seen before. And that was that the triune God is ascending God. God the Father sent the Son for a mission and a purpose to die on the cross for us. And guess what? Jesus ascends to the Father and He sends the Holy Spirit. It's a mission to be with the church, the people of God, to accomplish what God desires for His people. Our God is a sending God. It is in His nature to send people out on mission for His glory. And before he leaves Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, he tells them the Holy Spirit is coming, but then he gives them a purpose and a mission. And this is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So stand with me in the reading of God's Word as we read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's on page 909 in the Bible in front of you. It is Acts chapter 1, and we're just going to read one verse. And you probably know this verse. It's a well-known verse. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You can have a seat. Thank you for reading that with us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that you unveil who you are in Scripture, in the Word of God to us. Lord, we ask, Father, that we would be people that that have the heart of God, that want to do the things that you want to do and accomplish Lord, help us to be a people here at Northwest that are uh, givers of our life unto you as a sacrifice that is pleasing to you. Not out of obligation, but because we desire to do what you called us to do. Lord, we thank you and praise you for each and every person here. We thank you for their heart that yearns desires you we ask that father you would send us to do your work in jesus name we pray amen every year for the past few years you get to about april or may and the kids and and mom even gets a little bit antsy and 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 they, they want to go into the pool or the lake they want to swim in some water and uh you know it's too cold to go into the lake or the water and right and i as the father i'm always arguing no it's too early we can't go until labor day you guys need to understand that the water is not right until labor day and every year i think that i lose earlier and earlier right and so my kids are asking to go in the pool in, in the mid, middle of february now no so you get out to the pool in early spring, and as soon as you've lost the battle and you're out there with your kids, 
you begin to kind of put your toe in the water. Feel it out. And see, see what, what the temperature's like. And then you kind of begin to ease your foot into the water and kind of stepping on the stair steps and kind of jumping up and down going, woo, it's a little chilly. And your kid runs up beside you and just cannonballs in. He jumps all into the water. And his teeth are chattering. And he goes, Daddy, it's perfect in here. Just get in and you won't have to worry about it. This is like what it means to be on mission for Christ. Sometimes you just got to cannonball in. You know, the Christian life is not to be meant, it's not meant to, to live in a halfway world. It's not meant to be half in and half out. It's miserable to do that. You're just enough in the world that you're miserable before God, and you're just enough into God that you're miserable in the world. Half in, half out Christianity. Charles Spurgeon said this, if you're going to follow Jesus, do it 100%. Don't be in the middle part. Basically, he's saying either you're all in or don't get in. Now, there's some people that are they're experiencing God for the first time and they're, they're, they're figuring things out. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the believer who has been saved by the grace of God, who understands the gospel, who is coming to church, is in community and fellowship, and is going, I'm not sure if the water's too cold. I'm not sure if I'm on mission for Christ. I just want to say this. The 12 disciples, the 11 disciples and then the 12 apostles they were on mission they were witnesses of christ in jerusalem judea samaria and to the ends of the earth all 12 of them were all in according to historians 11 of the 12 were martyred meaning killed for their faith in christ John was the only one that, that, that we see in history that, that wasn't killed, and he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. These men were crucified. They were beheaded. They were chopped to death. They were speared to death, all for the name of Jesus. They were all in for the gospel. All in for the mission of God. You see, the English word martyr is, is really a word transliterated from the original Greek martyr, which simply means witness. As you can see in this verse, verse 8, my witnesses. It's where you get the word martyr. The reason why this word became synonymous with dying for one's faith is that the early Christian witnesses knew that they were going to die for their faith. They were going to be persecuted because of their witness of Christ. Guess what? It wasn't easy to be a first century Christian. You read throughout the book of Acts, Paul, Paul is actually stoned to death. He's, he's left for dead. He's lying there. He gets up and he goes back into the city. And guess what he does? He preaches the gospel again. He's all in 
We see this throughout the book of Acts. It's not easy to be a first century Christian. And and guess what? It's not easy to be a Christian in our world today. Maybe you're not facing crucifixion, but I can come up with plenty of reasons that God's people may not be on mission. Why? Because it's difficult. You have to give up something. Whether it be your own popularity or your time. Your friends. Whatever it may be. But God's desire is to have people that say, here I am, send me. You see, Jesus has just risen from the dead. We come to these disciples. Remember the disciples at the crucifixion. They're scared. They're scattered. Peter is denying Christ, the the one who is supposed to lead. Jesus is going to build his church upon this rock confession of Peter and and they're scared they don't know what to do and Jesus resurrects from the dead he restores them he teaches them for 40 days and he prepares them for what is going to happen the gospel to be spread throughout the entire world and guess what they are the vehicle they are the ones in which the gospel goes forth empowered by the holy spirit they are witnesses of the of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And before He leaves, Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes, He tells them these words. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I want to focus on that phrase, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is our first point this morning. The power is in the Holy Spirit. The power is from the Holy Spirit. That is where the power comes from. To be a witness for Christ. The disciples were scared. They were fearful, afraid, not able to be bold. They were doubting Jesus. Right before the Great Commission, it says that some doubted. They're doubting who he was, what he had done. So what changed? The power of God. All the preparation, all the training, all their ability meant nothing if they don't have the right power. Jesus tells them to wait. And guess what they do? They wait in prayer. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says this, And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You heard from Me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In the Greek, power is dunamis from which we get the word dynamite, spiritual dynamite used for the glory of God. It can be used in various ways. Gifts, service, fellowship, witness. Guess what? 
The power of God is that which God's church needs to accomplish His mission. Christianity is not to be a spectator sport. Sometimes in America we have kind of created this spectator sport in which we we do all these things and and we sit and we, we call it Christianity. Reality is we are to get into the game. What if I was to ask you this question? What is your spiritual gift? Would you be able to answer that question? Would you be able to write that in the corner of your notebook as you're taking notes this morning? And if you knew the answer to the question, your spiritual gifting, that which the Holy Spirit has gifted you to build up the body of Christ, would you say that you are exercising that gift? I talked to Denny the other day and... and She was like, I have the gift of administration. She said, I haven't used it for a long time, but I have the gift. And now she's able to use it. She has 84 plus people that she is now administering and and gathering together and putting them in the right spots and doing these things. Why? Because the Spirit is empowering her to do that. Not us. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever been in a spiritual conversation with someone and you walk and you surrender and you go, okay, Lord, whatever you want to say, you say, I'm not able to speak. I'm not able to do anything. You say what you want to say. And you begin speaking and you begin speaking things and you're like, this is not even what I would normally say. And you're remembering scripture. You're able to clearly communicate the gospel and you're able to clearly communicate truths about God. You feel as if the words are not flowing from some rote memory system, but from the Spirit of God. I remember my first sermon. I was so nervous about proclaiming the Gospel. I I had just gotten back from camp. I was a counselor at Kids Across America as 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 a college student. and My dad's not a pastor. I have no pastors in my family. I really never knew that the Lord had called me to pastor to preach the gospel. This is the first time I ever um, did it. And we were at a family reunion. My mom has five sisters, so six girls. And they have 30 people in their, in their family with all the, the, the cousins and different people. And I asked if we could have church on Sunday by the river. My brother would lead worship and I would teach or preach or whatever you would call it at the time. You think about nerve-wracking, right? Never to preach before, and then you're going to do it with your 30-plus family members, half of them probably non-Christians, and you know it. And I remember going over the Scripture with my dad and being so nervous about proclaiming the gospel, but God calling me to do that. And I don't know what this is. I don't know what it is or not. But I remember watching these two wild white doves come and land on the tree branch right over top of me. 
as I'm outside studying and preparing. And they stayed there the entire time I was studying and preparing. And pretty soon I was like, well, I guess the Lord is saying His Spirit is with me as I preach. I remember a peace coming over me that it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about how good I am at proclaiming the gospel. It's not about how great I am at communicating. It's not about how much that I've studied. It's not about any of these things. It's about being obedient to what God has called us to do and allowing Him to do the work through us. After the service, my grandfather, who had made a lot of mistakes in his life, was in tears. I don't know what took place, but the Holy Spirit spoke that day. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. You see, that power is at work within us. Maybe you're anxious. Maybe you're like me. You're anxious about sharing the gospel. I don't know how to share my faith boldly. I don't know how to be on mission for Christ. My first thing that that we need to understand is it's not about you. Remember, the power of the dynamite is not your power, but the Holy Spirit within you. So beginning to be on mission for God begins in prayer. That's where the beginning happens. Surrendering to what God has called us to do. Acts chapter 1.8 but, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The second part. The church is the witness to who Jesus is. The church is the witness. The church being the family or the household of God, the people of God. The church is the witness for Christ. It is the body of Christ. Witness comes from the courtroom in which a person is willing to testify about what they saw they heard, they felt. When you, when you read 1 John 1, 1 through 2, it says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Let me ask you this morning. Were you there at the crucifixion? Were you there at the resurrection? I don't think you were. Or else we can call you an apostle. Apostle Allen, apostle someone else, right? No, you weren't. But have you seen Jesus transform your life? Have you heard the Word of God and its truth? Have you felt the Holy Spirit's leading, its conviction, its teaching in truth? 
Your life bears witness to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. The Word of God bears witness to the truth about Christ. The Holy Spirit bears witness that you are saved, that God exists. You want someone who shares the Gospel boldly? Be someone who understands this great God what He has done for you. Understand this God. You understand your sin, your separation from God and what Christ has done on the cross. I talk to um, lots of people and some people struggle with how do, how do these stories relate and are they true? How do they match up with science and all these things? How do, they, how, do they, how do we do all of these things? How do we put them all together? How do we bear witness about Christ? It's about the gospel. You understand that Christ has come to save you from sin. You understand that He resurrected from the dead, that He conquered sin and death then you can believe in the story of Noah in which he, he gathered all the animals two by two into the ark. Why? Because Jesus raised from the dead. That's why you can understand this. It goes hand in hand. That's why you can bear witness about Christ is because He has raised you from the dead. He has brought you life. You understand the Gospel in your life. God has given the church the mission to make disciples, to bear fruit. And sometimes we get distracted from that which God has actually given the church to do. Barna recently came out with a study and it breaks my heart. 2018, the study says this. It asked church members, do you know what the Great Commission is? Church goers, people that are in churches, they ask them, do you know what the Great Commission is? Go, make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That's the Great Commission. He asked them, do you know what that is? 51% of the church said that they didn't know what the Great Commission was. 25% said, yes, but I can't recall the exact meaning. 6% said, I'm not sure. 17% said, yes, I know what the Great Commission is. That means 17% of the church actually knows what they're supposed to do. How can we be the church if we don't even know what God has called His church to do? American church has grown weak because the American church is all about meeting my needs. I like this coffee or this type of worship or the pastor keeps my attention. I pray we can meet my children's needs or my needs. 
And, and, and again, I pray that our church can meet needs of people. I'm not saying that's wrong. I hope we can have the best coffee available. But I pray that our church is more than that. I pray that our church is a hub for mission where people gather together to be encouraged and to be sent out every week empowered by the Spirit to share the gospel in their workplace, in their neighborhoods, in their homes. Jesus said, and He appointed twelve so that they might be with Him and He might send them out to preach. Mark 3.14 Appointed twelve so that he might they might be with him so that he could send them out to preach. The goal was not to just gather them in together, grow them up. The goal was to grow them up so that they could be sent out to preach the gospel. The end goal is not to create fat Christians who are filled with knowledge and truth, but to create believers that understand the gospel, exercise that gospel every single day. Rob, flesh that out for me. Are you saying I need to go door to door every day spouting off evangelism explosion or four spiritual laws with my neighbor? No. No. I am saying pray and ask God to open doors to see where people are hurting and come alongside them and speak the truth of the gospel into their life. Ask people about their life. Stop and pray with someone. Invite someone to church. Have someone over for dinner. Share your testimony. Be natural about it. Live out the gospel. Give to someone else. As you see where God is at work, join Him there. And if you want to knock on doors, go right ahead. Do that. But pray for God to give you the ability to be a witness for Christ, to be on mission for Christ. I had a text from a friend a while back, and it was from a college friend. I've been out of college for some time now, so just be aware of that. He texted me this. I thought you might enjoy this. Not sure if you remember Ryan, but he texted me a few days ago and reminded me of a convo that we had had after a friend of ours had passed away. So I don't even remember who the friend was that passed away, but I guess someone passed away. And we had a conversation with this guy named Ryan. He told me he remembers you and someone else talking to him about Jesus. That's when he knew he needed to ask Jesus into his life. You've got a gift, so keep using it. You'll change a ton of lives. I remember this guy, Ryan, and actually he was playing basketball. And after basketball, I just asked him, hey, everything going all right with your life? And he said, no, I just lost a friend or something like that. I don't remember who it was that he had lost. Shared Christ with him, met him where he was spoke truth into his life. I can't tell you what I said. But obviously, he's a Christian. He's a follower of Jesus. I didn't pray a prayer with him or do anything like that. He just, he remembers that time. That was the point in which he was pointed back to the truth. Where can you win this? Where can you be on 
mission for Christ? What are your hobbies? So you can talk to people about Jesus. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is our third point. The gospel is for all to hear. 1 Timothy 2, 3-4 This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. This is God's desire to save people. That's why He brought Jesus. Now He uses us through the power of His Holy Spirit to proclaim this message of Christ to be witnesses of who Jesus is. Our prayer here is that God would send, He would raise up people from this church who would be bold witnesses to the Gospel, not only in Oklahoma City, but to the entire world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world, these regional areas across cultural barriers across geographic barriers to the gospel going forth. And so we're, we're putting together a missions team and Chris, putting together lots of opportunities for you to get on mission. You say, why, well, why are we doing these opportunities? Are we just doing them to do them? No. I'm going to give you two reasons. I'm a huge proponent of short-term mission trips. I'm also a huge proponent of long-term and partnerships and all of these things. I'm a huge proponent of missions, period. But I'll tell you a couple reasons why we're doing mission, short-term mission trips this year. Number one, taste and see. Number one, you get to taste what it looks like to be on mission when you go on these trips. Not only are you going to be trained when you go, by the leaders that are on these trips, but also when we get to the field, those people that we're working with that are doing it on a daily basis, they are showing us what they're doing, how they're doing, how they're working in the city, how they're working cross-culturally, how they're working with this people group. We get to see it up close and personal. We get to taste it. And so when we come back, we take those ideas and we go, that's how I'm going to reach my neighborhood. That's how I'm going to reach my city. That's how I'm going to reach these people group. And you get to see. You get to see where God is at work around the world. You get to see believers in their natural state. You get to see the cross-cultural divide and how people worship and how people love their God. And it looks very differently than it does on 23rd Street. And that's great. Gets us out of our box. And number two, so taste and see, number two is encourage. Guess what? It encourages us when we see people believing in Jesus. It encourages our faith. And guess what? We get to encourage the believers that are in the work, doing the work all across the world. I've got a friend who, uh, who we're going to be going to visit in Santa Cruz I actually went to school with him at OBU. He was across the hallway from me in the dorm. He's a really good friend of mine. 
And guess what? Him and his wife have been there five, six years just laboring for the gospel. Laboring every single day, getting out there and going, I'm going to share, I'm going to share, I'm going to share. And guess what? They have a church now, six, seven years, 30, 40 people. It's great. But guess what? He needs encouragement. I get to preach to 300, 350 people coming here and we're encouraging one another. We're uplifting. We've got all these things established. We've got a Wednesday night. We've got outreaches. We've got all these things. You know what? It's him and his wife and a few people. They need encouragement. Guess what? We've got lots of opportunities. Champs Camp in March. We're going to Santa Cruz. I'm leading that trip in June. We're going to Guatemala, which is a medical missions trip. And, and Dr. Brown, Dr. Brent Brown's going to be leading that. Mauricio is taking a trip to McAllen, Texas. If you want to go with Northwest and Espanol, please do. Chris is taking a trip to Edmonton with some of our youth. We're going to East. Um, we're going to Washington, D.C. to work with... Um, Somebody say, I just, Denver, thank you. We're going east to work with Denver Rogers. You guys know him. He's planting a church out there. Some of our college and career really want to get together. David Cottle's leading that trip. And then we get to come here. We're planning a big mission to Oklahoma City where the whole church can be involved in that in September. And then we're going to Chiapas again in December. And Joe is leading that trip. And it's a, a great opportunity for us to be on mission. Eight mission trips that you can be a part of. All different times throughout the year, all different trips. We begin to unveil these. The missions team is going to have some things and resources available as we continue to go. But we want people to be on mission. Why? Because it's the heart of God. And guess what? If you don't know how to be on mission, come with me to Santa Cruz. We'll show you how to do it. We'll train you up. You'll be ready to go. Bring your family. We're ready. Matthew 9, 37, he said to his disciples, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors of few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Jesus says in John 4, 35, do not... Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. That's the first thing they told us in Thailand. We got off the plane and they said, Rob, you can't minister to these people that don't want to hear the gospel. John 4.35 doesn't say that. I believe that God prepares people's hearts to hear the message of the gospel even before we go. Do we truly believe that there are two types of people in this world? Those who are saved by the grace of God through the cross of Christ, that believe upon Christ for salvation, and those who do not have salvation and spend eternity in hell. I I want to be someone who shares the gospel with as many people as possible. I want to be a church that's on mission for Christ. And let me... Let me say one more thing before I'm done. It's all of us when we go to a place. 
when Brent Brown goes to Guatemala, he's actually going to India. We're going to commission him today. It's all of us going. Because we are a church. We are the body of Christ. Together, unified under the Holy Spirit. And guess what? When Brent Brown goes to India, we need to be praying for India and the work of the gospel going forth in India. When we go to Santa Cruz, we need to be praying for Santa Cruz. And we are all going. We are all incorporated in that. It's a joint effort. You may not be able to go on one of these trips this year. And that's okay. Because we're taking you with us. We want you to be involved. We want you to come into our meetings. We want you to pray for us. We want our church to be on mission. We want to hear what you're doing on mission. The gospel is for all to hear. So when Isaiah says, here I am, send me, I hope that's our heart. Pray that's our heart. Let's pray as the worship team comes forward. Father, we just ask that we would be filled with people, even the message that Isaiah, that you gave to Isaiah, the mission that you gave Isaiah was a difficult mission. And Father, even if it's difficult and hard, we pray that we would say, here I am, send me. That we would be people who understand the mission of God, the heart of God. And Father, we don't go in our own power, our own might, but we go according to Your power, Your might. Father, as we begin to pray for these trips and these times and these things that we're doing, we ask that You would just empower us to be a people. That Father, reminder, remind us daily of the Gospel and the response to that Gospel. It's just to live it out to be on mission in our workplaces, in our homes. Father, help us to reach our families and our children, our wives and our husbands first. Help us to reach our neighborhoods and the people across the street, our work. And Father, help us to then have a vision for reaching the nations. Father, give us big vision, big dreams. It can only come from you, from our people. We want to do that. Father, help us to be a sending church as you are sending God. Lord, we thank you for each and every person here. We thank you for their heart. And, uh, Father, we ask that you would encourage them today if they haven't been on mission, to be on mission. We ask Father, if there's anyone here this morning that has never understood the grace of God, the power of the gospel, they would respond in faith, repentance from their own way, respond to belief upon Christ. Father, we thank you that you are good and your mercies endure forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.